to the Liberal Europe podcast, a European Liberal Forum project. I'm your host, Ricard Silvestre. Today I'll be speaking with Kathleen Che. Kathleen is the vice president of the Renew Group and also a member of the European Parliament elected for Hungary with the party Momentum. And after our conversation, I'll introduce you to some of the events organized by ELF for this first weeks of October. I'm here with Kathleen Scheck. Kathleen, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Um, it's a great pleasure to have you and great privilege. And uh, before we go into a little bit what's happening right now in your life, I would like you to talk to your, our audience about what was the path travel. So how did you get to the point now that you are elected MEP, you are one of the uh, rising stars in European Parliament inside the liberal movement. So bring us back a little bit when you were like in high school and at university. Well, I think my entire interest towards politics started when uh, I spent a summer in the hospital in the first year of medical school, uh, having to take care about patients. And uh, I just saw that how dire the situation of public services in Hungary. And I saw that due to bad governance, people are actually dying. And I wanted to change that. It, ju it just felt wrong to me not to do anything. So that's when I got interested in, in, in politics and policy but I never actually wanted to be a politician. I just ended up here, kind of. <laughs> so how was that jump between being, you know, working on your academic career and trying to have a profession as a doctor and all of a sudden that little light bulb, was the transition easy for you? Was it really complicated? Did you have to learn a lot really fast? How did it went? Well, it was a very inspiring process. So after... Uh, I graduated from medical school. I decided to uh, try my hand abroad and I went to study in the Netherlands. And that was a time when Orban, Viktor Orban got reelected with the second supermajority in a row. And I kind of gave up hope that uh, anything good could happen to my country. And uh, I think I just gave it up on it a bit. And I was very happy to receive a phone call from an old high school friend uh, his name is Andres Feketegyur, and he's the leader of our party now. Uh, and this guy wanted to convince me to f uh, found a movement uh, alongside with him and some other friends. He wanted to change the Hungarian political system. He wanted to give a voice to our generation, and he wanted uh, to establish the party that will eventually mm, do away with Viktor Orban's regime. And obviously, as anybody would do in this situation, I thought this guy is a bit crazy. Uh, <laughs> But he was very persistent, so he convinced, he talked me into meet him for a beer, and then he just um, presented his ideas and his passion in such a convincing way that I eventually came up, uh, on board, and I moved uh, back from the Netherlands to work on Momentum. Uh, but that time it was a grassroots movement, and as we grow bigger and bigger, I just felt that this is my real calling and I want to be in politics. I want to represent people and I want to work on changing our society to the better. And uh, let's talk a little bit about that then. Well, first of all, good thing that it happened and now you're in politics. And we had a tremendous result for momentum in European elections, uh, almost 10% of the vote in Nankari and then two MAPs. Uh, tell us a little bit, how did that happen? 
So how that you know grassroots movements became a political movement and then got to the people. So when we established the party, it was uh, eight of us in a college dorm room, and uh, we started without resources, just with passion. And I believe we just uh, stood up for something that people really want. We uh, were very vocal about the need for a t- more transparent, more just way of doing politics, a new way of doing politics. We stood up for a better representation of our generation. We wanted uh, real political change. We wanted a real European Hungary. And that somehow resonated with people. And uh, very quickly, in only uh, two years, a little bit more than two years, we turned into a party that eventually gained 10% at the European elections. And we indeed elected two MEPs, me and my colleague Anna Donat. And that happened in Hungary, where being a progressive, young, dynamic movement is not as easy as it would be somewhere else. So what we compensated the lack of uh, free media or the difficult circumstances with passion, energy, and outreach. That's a great point because for people listening to us and people thinking, I could do something similar, I can have that kind of influence. What was the relationship between that passion and that message? So do you think that passion, it's like 80% message, 20%, it, it is reversed, it's 50-50. So what's your take on that? Well, my take on that is to it's wrong to separate these parts. Uh, because if you want politics to have a real traction in society, uh, I, I think we should divert from this, this idea that the message is something that is engineered in uh, um, advisory rooms and uh, just we should only base it on like how the polling looks. No, what the take we took, we just... Uh, represented our passion, uh, our, our vision in our message. Uh, it's and, and it goes in hand in hand really because we are passionate about Europe and that's why our message at the European elections was a stronger Europe and a stronger Hungary and a stronger Europe. Uh, we truly believe that corruption is ruining our country. That's why we su- stood up for a more transparent economy and we indeed think that we need new people in politics to bring about real change to bring Hungary to the 21st century, truly, to stand up for a digital economy, for uh, more rights of workers in a changing society. That's what we believe in. And it was really easy to stand up for uh, for that message, uh, even though the circumstances were hard sometimes, because that's what drives us day by day. And we were very happy to see that so many people came along with us. We managed to get young people involved in politics who wouldn't otherwise done so. And it is such a strong emotion to see that what you believe in is also the belief of so many other people, just that they haven't had a voice yet in politics. We want to be that voice that really uh, brings in uh, and, uh, people and gives true representation to, to, to the ideas of our uh, society or of the youth of our society. Now let's give one more step to that because you're talking about having the message not being completely worked out by some kind of group kind of board that is doing that then you mentioned reaching you know the real people how do you sustain that success so what i mean by that you reach people you have people on your side how do you maintain that how do you keep rooted to those people who elected you well i think this is my job to do that so uh politics, public service 
is really a service to the people. So uh, of course we are engaging in, in, in grassroots activism day by day. And even though I'm elected to the European Parliament, I still tour the country a lot. I uh, hold street forums, I engage with voters. I'm very easy to reach, but, but I, I think I couldn't do my job otherwise. And obviously, from a Hungarian context, we don't have basically state media, so we have very t limited surface to appear on. So it's kind of like compulsory for us to do the outreach on a personal level, on a grassroots level, on a social level. But I also, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure that how can you be a politician and otherwise, or like with other methods. How do you know what uh, your voters want? How do you can transmit your thoughts and ideas more directly than talking to them? But there is a, m a fear. Imagine some young person that is l listening to you right now, and that person does have that feeling that if you go to Brussels or if you go to a parliament, the powers that be, the system, they eventually they grind you out and they make you a part of the machinery. So you don't believe of that, of course. Of course, or at least I try. Um, well, if I would uh, uh, think that it's a ho hopeless cause, I wouldn't be in politics. But on the other hand, I would like to work for a reformed European Union uh, because it's true that a lot of people feel that what we do as politicians is very far away from them, that the parliament does not represent the voters, everything is uh, done in shady back rooms and uh, deals are only about lobbyists and money and power and indeed this very notion erodes our democracy and in order to create a better uh, functioning society a better functioning democracy and uh, we have to give back the hope of, uh, of of democracy and true representation to to our voters and also i i'm very frustrated to see that being pro-european nowadays often means that standing for some old school status quo or standing for for the global elites and no that is not what i mean i i'm standing for a, a europe that truly works for its citizens standing for a power a global power that represents our societies that gives a stronger voice to 500 million of millions of us but i'm not standing for for the bad parts i want to fix the bad parts and uh, i'm truly uh, confident that it is possible and so that we can give back hope to all those who are uh, um, who, who do not believe in uh, true representation anymore. And I think that's the only way to fight the populists. Well, now um, a moment of uh, personal privilege as the host of the podcast. The first time I see uh, Catalina, you, uh, I was very, very impressed the way that you describe those feelings that you just mentioned. But you extended a little more, and I'm going to use that now for the next question. And that is the fact that renewing Europe, having Europe as family, people have to know the rules and people have to play by the rules. And they cannot, you know, try to be part of the family, but on the other hand, trying to do all the, all the, all the shady things on the back. How can we do this without turning that passion against us in a way that gives ammunition to the populace and hurts people in those countries that they don't want those leaders to do that. So how, how can we play you know, that game in a good way? Well, I think that uh, it's tr true that Europe is not a supermarket. So you cannot just go in there and take those things you want and leave those things you don't like uh, on the shelves. 
but on the other hand, I think fixing that does not work against the people, against the population, but for them. Because just in the case of my country, Hungary, we uh, our, le- our current leadership, headed by Viktor Orban, completely disregards the basic foundation of uh, European uh, democracies, uh, the uh, European rule of law, uh, disregards the need for the free media, for the need for independent judiciary or a more transparent management of states. However, uh, he is very eager to pocket European taxpayers' money in the form, uh, form of state subsidies. And this current form does not work for those citizens who would be the uh, final re- re- recipient of those structural funds that uh, were supposed to uh, help our country to develop uh, further. But these funds end up at the pockets of cronies and uh, oligarchs around the government. And if we can fix that, if we can uh, I- uh, introduce more uh, more and better regulations on a European level, it would actually result in uh, these funds reaching their target audience much better so for instance i'm currently we are campaigning for the european public prosecutor's office to be introduced in in hungary as well as a precondition of european funds and that would be the one of the instruments that could help uh, hungarian taxpayers hungarian entrepreneurs the most because if everybody who reaches rules should be held accountable and just through European mechanisms can we uh, ensure it now. Just through Europe can we ensure a more fair and more uh, functional society for every Hungarian. Because right now, Hungary only works for the Fidesz elites. And there are so many mo- more people living in my country than them. We have a problem to solve, apart from the one you just mentioned. And that is maybe we have a situation that the funds do get there the people are helped because of the European Union, but the information doesn't get that. So people don't know how much the European Union is uh, uh, working for them. Does that, is that a big problem, working on it, the European Union, trying to find a solution? What would be your solution, if you could? It is a huge problem. Uh, we are having uh, local elections in Hungary in a few weeks, in middle October. And we are seeing day by day European projects, uh, roadworks, constructions, you name it, be very happily inaugurated by Fidesz politicians saying that I, as the leader of this town, have given you this very nice fountain, this road, this nursery school, and it was founded almost entirely by European cohesion funds. And the same people in the same time Comp- uh, complain about Europe being bad to them, Compla- complain about Europe being the oppressor, but they are happy to accept the money. And I think this is the point where Europe has to stand up for itself. We've been so silent as a European community, almost as if we would be ashamed of ourselves, uh, not to stand up when lies are being spread, Not to sa- uh, we did not uh, stand up either when our accomplishments uh, were diminished and uh, people took... Uh, took praise for them who had nothing to do with the process co- at all. We have to have better information campaigns. We have to be, uh, uh, we as the European Union have to be more present at citizens' lives. We have to uh, take credit for what we actually do because otherwise, just look at Brexit. That's the best or worst example. During the Brexit process, blatant lies were spread about the European Union and we just said nothing at all. And it ended up in a tragedy. I am still hoping that Brexit is not inevitable, but still, uh, 
that's the uh, outcome when Europe only stays in the background and listens. And we cannot make this mistake once more. We have to spend more money on communication. We have to better our outreach because we ha have to make people like Europe because Europe does so much for the population. And we can only succeed if we work together, if we see where the source of our wealth is coming from. We as European citizens, we are protected and held by the European Union. And we have to work together in the European framework for a more prosperous continent. Elections are coming in Hungary, and uh, how can Horbin be beaten? There's some positive signs uh, a little bit here and there, but uh, tell us a little bit how can we have uh, a unified strategy in what is becoming a very unfair electoral system. So, of course, we can talk about social media or outrage or campaigns. But I think the most important thing is the, for the opposition to believe itself, to believe in, in its own message. We've been apologetic for so long. We've been complaining about an oppressor state, complaining about how hard is it for us. Who could believe in us if we don't believe in ourselves? I think, and that's what we did in our campaign, and it really worked. We have to challenge Orban's narrative. Orban's narrative is that he's the only one who can protect the country, who can, uh, who can govern, and we have to look governable. Uh, and I think we are, uh, as a, the Hungarian opposition, are the best path towards it. We don't have to challenge Orban's ideas, but we should present our own. We should talk about a stronger Hungary, a transparent Hungary, uh, a state without corruption, a state where the rule of law is uh, uh, app applies to everybody. We have to talk about how we fix the economy that uh, he ruined by pocketing all the EU money to his cronies. And of course, we can find ways for that. But we have to challenge him on his own grounds, on governance. And we can only do it together with the entire opposition. And that's why I'm very hopeful that the local elections that are coming up just in a few weeks, uh, we are campaigning together. And we are actually posing a very strong contender to, to Fidesz at every mayor town. And we have a real chance of taking back our own cities. Do believe that the worst thing that uh, can happen to the opposition is just to subordinate itself to Orban's narratives, just to only talk about migration, only talk about how bad the current government is. Nobody is interested in that. Uh, we shouldn't complain, but we should provide an alternative vision, and we have that. We have a vision of a green Hungary, a transparent Hungary, a sustainable Hungary, a just Hungary, a Hungary, Hungary that is fitting for the 21st century, a Hungary that, that is truly Euro European. And this Hungary cannot be delivered under the governance of Viktor Orban, but we need real change for that. So let's uh, try to fast forward a little bit into the future, uh, future of Hungary, future of the European Union. How do you see this uh, five-year period uh, shaping up? Well, um, first of all, I'm very positive because contrary to uh, all the fear-mongering before the elections, European voters actually said no to populism. So the parliamentary group that has grown by the largest number is actually our progressive group, the Renew Europe group. It's clear that European uh, people wanted more democracy, uh, wanted more progressive values, and wanted a stronger Europe just by looking at how they on, on how they voted. That's why we have a very new and very young parliament a lot of uh, fresh powers and a lot of new energies. 
and um, I think we can achieve great things. We can truly achieve uh, a Europe that is the world leader on sustainability. Uh, we can achieve a Europe that uh, is able to guarantee the rule of law for every single one of its citizens. We can achieve a Europe that is actually working better, uh, a stronger Europe, a more coherent Europe, a Europe with a, a coherent and single energy market, or uh, Europe with a um, shared digital market. We can finish things that we started in the past, and uh, with these results, we can actually deliver a much higher living standard for every single European. This is my plan for the next five years. So uh, how about you then? And what I mean by that, and uh, too bad I can't have uh, people watching this conversation because you should see the fire in Kathleen's <laughs> eyes. Um, what's your role in it? So how, how do you see, or you're just living day by day, month by month, or do you have goals set for you? Well, of course I have goals. Uh, do without share. Goals do it share. <laughs> <laughs> without goals, it would be quite hard. Uh, so I would like to, uh, first of all, work for a higher level of transparency when it comes to uh, European funding and European institutions. Um, I would like to achieve a more fair condition uh, when it comes to the distribution of, uh, of the European funding. Uh, I would like to work for a more sustainable energy market and also reforming the cohesion policy uh, to make the, uh, the d uh, delivery of the European taxpayers' money to its re uh, recipients more effective and uh, so that we can deliver more results. Well, right now you're already vice president of the Renew Group, so that is already one of the front lines that you got there and the work is being done. With this new European Parliament, uh, do you feel optimist that also you're mentioning sustainability, ecology, um, economy and all that? Do you see uh, a kind of consensus emerging in the European Parliament for those things to happen? Except the, the smaller groups that we know that they're going to say they're going to say no to everything, of course. Well, I think that it will be easier to reach a consensus, and it's very good that we don't have the governing majority of the socialists and the conservatives anymore. You need a liberal voice to achieve anything in, in Europe. And that's why I'm very positive that we can live up to our historic responsibility, because in this changing world order, we are the only superpower that believes in human rights and science in the same time. Uh, we have to be on the front. We have to be leading when other uh, powers or continents are, are lagging behind, either in, in respect of uh, human rights and democracy, or either in, the, um, in, in their technological advancement. We can be the strongest. And that's what we have to do together. Uh, we, I if, if we continue to be European Parliament that only fights within each other, or uh, if we only fight with our own institutions, we will achieve nothing. We have to set ambitious goals and go for it. Goals in climate, go goals in innovation, uh, goals in, in development. We have our moment and we have to live up for it. I think this is a good, good way to finish our conversation for now, but I want people to follow your work. And you just said a minute ago that you're very reachable. Tell us where you are on, uh, on the digital world so that people can follow. Yes. Yeah, so. Uh, for those who speak Hungarian, I have a 
uh, Facebook page that posts in Hungarian, it goes under my name. Uh, I'm also on Instagram and on Twitter. Those are more bilingual pl platforms. Ooh. And also fr feel free to contact me on my EP email. That is kathalin.che at europar.europe.eu or in any form, or if you're in Hungary or anywhere else, else in Europe, you we might just bump uh, into each other at some forum or at the airport or on the subway or who knows. <laughs> well, we're going to put all those links in the description for now. I'm going to thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm back, and before we go to this week's ELF events, I would like to tell you that we are now also on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher, and if you like our podcast, please consider giving us a five-star review, and that way you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. And now for some of the events organized by ELF for this beginning of October, on the 4th of October until the 6th in The Hague, the Netherlands, we have Regional Academy for Liberalism, Training of Trainers. The program of this event is exactly for potential trainers, including professionals, experts and practitioners in their respective field of political work, will then be able to share their knowledge with their party organizations, foundations and also participate in events in the region and beyond. In this regard, the Regional Academy program will seek to empower local leaders and local organizations, enable them to implement their own training programs. And then on the 12th, Still in the Netherlands, in Amersfoort, we have a Ralph Darendorf Roundtable, Understanding European Politics. In this event, there will be a discussion about politics from the local to the national level, all the way to the European level, and how to become ready for politics, business world and everything that relates to it. Since we have a large pillar that will focus on the European Union and its political place in the world, we aim for this sessions to give our 318 Ds a better understanding of European politics and the European Union as a whole. This is all for now, but I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. The Liberal Europe podcast is organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament, and the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any use that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum.